Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. For those who may not know, but um, the young lady, Natasha Presley, stand up, Natasha. She was a member of Faith and Family Church where in Richmond, Virginia for several years and then um, Pastor Molina and um, Brother George Horry came and uh, he had a stronger anointing than me and she decided to move and come down here to Florida. <laughs> but it's, it's so good that it all worked out. She was looking for a job and uh, Pastor gave some references and next thing you know, she's moved down here and has a job and now she's plugged in with world changes. You see, I have my, my bracelet on. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> world changes. Yes. Praise God. I, um, we've had a wonderful time with the family and we had a wonderful time yesterday and I just would like to share with you tonight, uh, my topic is going to be, I shall live. I shall live. Psalms 118, verse 17. David is a speaker, and he says, I sh shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I'm excited to be able to share a little bit about my testimony and what God has done in my life. Also, I would like to make sure that I will share something with you along these lines. And so I won't keep you long, but I do believe that someone here tonight will be encouraged, that somebody here tonight will recognize that God has breathed into us something mighty, something powerful, and the enemy, the world system, wants to stop us from reaching our God-given potential. And so I just trust tonight that you hear with your hearts and allow your eyes to be open and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go right into it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your people. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me. Lord, I pray that I decrease and you increase. That is all of you, none of me, I pray, Lord God, that your people will have hearing ears and seeing eyes and a tender heart to receive your word. And then, God, as we do that, then let us go and change the world for you. Let us go and let the people know that they could be called out of darkness into your marvelous light. Let us go and proclaim the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I shall live. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I would like to go right into the story. It's a situation here where Saul, King Saul, was disobedient. And he didn't kill everything that he was instructed to kill. And so as a result, because of his disobedience, God spoke to the prophet Samuel, and he told Samuel to get another king, find another king. I will show you 
another king. And so as Saul was now ready to go into a decline in his kingship, even though he was still king positionally, the, the prophet was led to Jesse's house. And Jesse had sons, and um, every son came to the prophet, and the prophet had uh, some oil with him to anoint the next king of Israel. And so as all of the sons came before the prophet, he just said, no, this is not the one. No, this is not the one. And you're familiar with the story. As time went on, he said, no, um, but the prophet said, are these all your sons? And he said, no, we, we have one in the back, tending sheep. And before I go any further, I want to encourage somebody because that encourages me that the prophet perceived that this is not all, that there's somebody in the background. There's somebody in the background here. There's somebody that people may not have recognized. There's somebody who is doing the little work, doing the dirty work. And the Bible tells us, do not despise small beginnings. And that the greatest of them all will be the servant of them all. And so I want to say to somebody here today, you might be in the background and you may feel that nobody has recognized you, but I want you to know that God sees what you're doing. And when the prophet comes, he will perceive that you're somewhere doing the work in the will of God. And when you do that, God has a way of bringing you forth. And so here it is, David tending sheep. He's tending sheep, and uh, he wasn't invited to the party, so to speak. He wasn't uh, referred to, but the bottom line is when the prophet Samuel saw David, he said, you will be the next king of Israel. But now, as a teenager, he had to go through a process. And so we have to always remember in life that even though God has a purpose, we must go through the process. And sometimes the process seems very difficult and very hard. Here it is, David, now with King Saul. Here it is, there's a big bully, a giant named Goliath who has been selling wolf tickets to the people of God for 40 days. And he was saying, is there anybody tough enough to fight me? You fight me, you have all of us. But don't you know what happened when David was going to feed his brothers? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine coming against God, God's people? And something on the inside rose up. And we know the story. He went out and he defeated the giant. But I want you to think about something. Saul is on his team. He's doing this with King Saul. But now all of a sudden it seems like 
Saul is against David. And really, things didn't really bother Saul until they started singing a song. Saul kills 1,000, but David has killed 10,000. So envy and strife came up in him. And one of the things that we have to understand in our lives, dealing with the process for our purpose, is that we're going to have to deal with envy and strife. And there's going to be people that used to be for you that may now come against you. I believe that it is something that we have to recognize and be able to see because the scriptures are very clear that one minute David and Saul are fighting together. The next minute, David is running for his life. He's running for his life now, and now he has to hide. He's living in caves because the very person who was supposed to support him and is now trying to kill him. And so here it is. David makes this statement. I love this. He said that I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Now, why did David say that? He said that because, number one, he recognized that Saul was after his life, along with all the people. They was trying to destroy him. They had a decree to kill him. He didn't do anything wrong. But somewhere on the inside, when he could remember he was anointed by Samuel the prophet and that he was supposed to be a king but even though he wasn't a king put this way the manifestation didn't happen but on the inside it was there so he knew that he could not die before his God-given destiny was fulfilled you know the scripture where it says in Philippians 1, 6, it says, for I'm confident in this, that he who begun a good work in me will complete it until the day of Christ. The scripture is very clear in Hebrews where it says that he's the author and finisher and perfecter of your faith. And so we have to remind ourselves who is writing the book. Who is writing the book about you? And if God says you're going to be king, no devil in hell, no decree can stop what God is doing for no weapon formed against David, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. If God be for you, if God be for you, Who can be against you? We have to remember that. That's why the psalmist says, oh, magnify the Lord. Why? Because we need to learn how to magnify God versus magnifying our problems. We need to learn how to recognize when you magnify something, it becomes bigger. It it becomes larger. When you magnify God, you recognize that he's bigger than your problems. And stop focusing on the problem and let us focus on the solution. Who is the solution? God. And see, and so God had something great for David and God has something great for you. But let me move on. So David now says, 
I shall not die. Well, let me talk about death for just a moment. When we hear the word death, for the most part, you know, in the morbid sense, we, it's, some, it's something of sorrow. But death is not necessarily always of sorrow, but we understand that death simply means a separation. For example, if there was a casket right here, you will see a body. Now, we all are believers, and if that person has received Christ as Lord and Savior, we know to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So we see that there's a separation. There's a body. There's a house that that person lived in or their temple. But what is separated is their spirit. So death is a separation. It's a separation. I shall not die but live. In other words, I shall not be separated from what God has called me to do. I shall not be separated from being king. I shall not be separated from my God-given destiny. There's nothing that can separate us. I shall not die. There might be somebody here today. You have allowed your dreams to dissipate. You've allowed your dreams to be on the back shelf. But what you need to say is, my dreams will not die, but they will live. They will live and declare the works of the Lord. Everybody say, I shall live. Everybody say, I shall live. Now, I want to share with you, I was a basketball coach as well as uh, a player. And one of the things that I remember us doing is that before we go out after a timeout, we get together and we get in a huddle. And this is just players. And we're just playing basketball and we say something like, one, two, three, let's go, or one, two, three, defense. And I just believe that the people of God should be able to have more enthusiasm than a bunch of guys running around with shorts on. And so I'm going to say it again. I want you to repeat after me. Say, I shall live. Live. Listen, living in victory every day. Living in victory every day. I shall not die. I shall not be separated from what God has called me to do. But I will live in victory every day. Jesus said this. Jesus said this in John 10.10. He said that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Now, the reason why I like the way Jesus said that is because it reminds me of this. It says, I shall not die, but live. So it tells, it tells us that he has opposition. He didn't say, I shall not die just for the fun of it. He said, I shall not die because somebody was trying to kill him. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal kill, and to destroy. So what that tells us is that we have opposition, that we have someone who is trying to stop us from our God-given potential. I, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life. Life. What is life? Living in favor every day. What is life? Living in faith every day. 
I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. But you're not just going to get the abundant life by talking about it. You're not going to get the abundant life by just having a little bit of fellowship. But it's going to take some effort on our behalf. James says it's like this. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. So it tells me, when it tells me to submit to the word of God, that means to submit like a submarine. I come under the authority of the word of God. So as a Christian, our desire and our goal is to come under the authority of the word. Submit yourself to God. I come under the authority of the word. When I come under the authority of the word, who now is on top of me? The word of God, which means the word has authority over everything. But I got to come under the authority. When I come under the authority and then the one that has authority now can exercise authority on my behalf. Does that make sense? Then it says, resist the devil. He'll flee, which means to resist means you have to do something. Many people know about lifting weights. The way that you get stronger is not by not doing anything. The way you get stronger is you build up resistance. And so you lift and it's heavy, but you lift. And then after a while, you discover that 10 pounds is not heavy anymore. Then you go to 20. Then 20 pounds is not heavy anymore. You start to to build up a resistance. Resist the devil. And then he'll flee. And so abundant life doesn't just happen. Salvation is beautiful, has a lot of promises, but it just doesn't happen. Abundant life happens when we recognize that God is the authority and then we have to do something about it. So Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Then he said this in John eleven twenty five. He said that I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet he shall live in victory every day. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me. So that means that God can resurrect some things in your life that you've given up on. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. You believe on me, though you were dead, though you gave up on your dreams, though you gave up on your goals, your business plans, though you gave up on your marriage, though you gave up on your children, whatever the situation may be, I can resurrect that. One of the things that really is close to my heart is families. And one of the things is this. I do recognize that there are situations that happens a lot of times when we become saved and we start walking in the word of God. And maybe we've been in a situation where we have some children, things of that nature. One of the things I always want to encourage men especially is that if you have baby mama drama, do you know what baby mama drama is? Baby mama drama. That means that when the mama is giving you drama and is giving you problems and now it's hard for you to see your son or daughter. What I want to say to you is that God can resurrect that relationship back with your children. It's cool to send a check, but it's better to put something on the inside of them. I'm talking about deposit some life on the inside of them. Why? Because God has always wanted to resurrect things for his glory and for his honor. 
So Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live in victory every day. Then Acts chapter 17, verse 28 says like this. It says, for in him, for in him, Acts chapter 17, verse 28, in him, in who? In him, in God, we live, we move, we have our being. Another version said we have our very existence. It's all in him. Everybody says it's all about him. Everybody says it's all about him. So you got to realize it's in him that we live and move and have our being. David knew and David was sure that God was going to pull him through. And because he knew that, he was able to declare these words. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I will be king of Israel. Sometimes we have to learn how, ladies and gentlemen, to speak the word of God. Paul says like this, we walk by faith, not by sight. So it doesn't look like, here it is, David hiding in caves. He don't look like no king. He's hungry, eating any and everything. He don't look like no king. But we remember even at the cave of Adullam that there was 300 men that followed David. They was distressed. They was in debt. They was discouraged. But they followed David. Why? Because there was something on the inside of him that God placed and anointed him to do. And it was just a matter of time before that very thing will come to fruition and that one day he will be king. Why am I saying this to you? Because what we have to learn as believers is we need to learn how to speak God's word when it don't look so good. When it doesn't make any sense, the Bible tells us that God called those things that are not as though they were. Well, I believe as believers, we need to be imitators of our dear father. And we need to be able to call out or speak the word of God over our lives. And so when there are situations that seem dire, when there are situations that seem that just not going to make it, man, I'm telling you, you should be declaring, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. It's not over until God says so. I believe that. I believe that. It ain't over until God says so. And, 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 and the discouraging thing, and I know Pastor probably could say the same thing, is that we've seen many of people give up on God. I believe you've seen many of people give up on God. And why? Because when they got saved, all of a sudden, things didn't go the way they thought it should go. They thought that they all of a sudden be a millionaire or just say a couple of prayers, walk in prosperity, you know, something that's going to happen just like that. But you have to recognize that you have to go through a process. So I want to say to people, don't give up on God. Give in to God. Don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. Don't walk by what you see, but walk by what you believe. Believe and know that he's working it out. Don't make me come out with um, one of my favorite scriptures is uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 8, 28. 
One of my favorites. For we know that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and are called to his purpose. Now, before we go any further, I want you to hear me for just a moment. When it don't look good, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. God has something for me. Let me tell you something. For we know that all things work together for the good. I love it because Paul didn't say, for I think all things going to work together. He didn't say, well, I, you know what? I just hope things work together for the good. I just hope that God drops down here. Come by here, Lord. Come by here. Kumbaya. Come by here. I just hope that something good happens to me. Today is my lucky day. Didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, for we know. When you say, when you say to someone, for example, somebody's going to pick you up, and, if, and, and they say, who's going to pick you up? Say, oh, Joey. How you, I know, no, no, Joey's going to pick you up. I know it. What you're saying is you're saying that you're confident in the person that has that assignment. For we know that all things work together for the good. We're not going to doubt God. We're not going to be wavering. We're not going to be vacillating, trying to figure out maybe God's going to do it, maybe he's not. If it's in his will, if it's in his word, God is going to do what he said he's going to do because he's a man. God shall not lie. God's not like man. He's not going to lie. But he's going to come through with his word. His word will not return void. What he says it will do, it will accomplish what it's going to do. So what we have to do now is stand in faith and believe. For we know, I have confidence that God's going to pull me through. I got confidence. I'm praying for my son. I'm praying for my daughter. It don't look good right now. For we know I'm going to get a promotion on my job. I deserve a, a promotion. Didn't get one. I was passed up the last six times. Well, don't have a bad attitude. Why? Because God is working something in you. He's working character in you. He wants to see how you can deal with the fire because you would deal with the fire now and then he can put you in higher places later. He's just purifying you as pure gold. He's getting out all the impurities in us. See, sometimes when we go through fire, it ain't the devil all the time. Can I get an amen? amen. Or an oh me? It's not the devil all the time. But you know, it's amazing though, like I said, people give up on God. Christians. Because things just don't happen It's like that. Because we're in a microwave society. Don't give up on God. Give in to his mercy. Don't give up on God. Give in to his grace. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. Give up. Give in to his love. Don't give up on God. Give, give in to his forgiveness. I always like to say like this. God has mercy for my mess and he has grace for my garbage. I had some garbage, but I thank God for the grace. I have some mess. I thank God for the mercy. I thank God that I do not have to walk 
in defeat. I don't have to walk in excuses, but I can walk in his word. Don't give up on God. Give in to his mercy. Give in to his forgiveness. Listen, give in to his plan. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? I mean, I mean, do you, listen, hear me now. He has a plan for your life. So give in to the plan. Give in to the plan. Now, this is the beautiful part about Christianity. Everybody is not called to be a pastor. The fivefold ministry. To some, he's given to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So that means that all of us have, a, God has a plan for all of us in the areas that maybe we work in. I like to say like this, God is strate strategically placing us or putting us in a position to reach people so we can be world changers. On our jobs, world changers. At home, world changers. I believe that God has a plan and we need to give in to that plan. We need to learn how to give in to God's purpose for our life. We need to learn how to give in to God's potential in our life. We need to learn how to give in to God's power. God dunamis power. That power on the inside of you. That same power, the Bible says, that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of you. I know, I know it's hard for you to believe that. But what you have to do is, I would do like the man said. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sometimes you have to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. But I do believe that God has resurrection power on the inside of us. And then I also believe that we need to not give up on God, but give into his salvation. For he's a God that delivers. He's a God that saves. He's a God that loves. He's a God that directs. He's a God that seeks and to save that which is lost. See, the thing about a world changer, it reminds me of the scripture that talks about in, in, um, in Peter that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special, peculiar people. Now, this is the beautiful part who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, the beautiful thing about that is it says who have been called. See, when somebody called my name Calvin, I turn around because obviously you must know me. So when the Bible says have called you out, that means that God has specifically called your name. I'm so glad that God knows you by name. When you feel like little David in the background, God has called your name. And he's called your name for greatness. Can't you see it? Can't, I know you can see it. I know you can see it right now, can't you? Can't you see it? See, when I'm called out of darkness into a marvelous light, my mind is illuminated. I, I start to see things differently. What was the first thing God did in Genesis? 
when he created the world. He said, let there be what? Light. Well, I need light so I can see what God is doing. I need light because the darkness can't comprehend the light. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, know what the Bible says? Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Wow, y'all quick with these scriptures, man. How y'all do all that? See, we don't have this in that church. Y'all got to forgive me here. I mean, I'm like, how did they get that up so quick? Yeah. Let your light so shine before men that they will what? Yeah, in other words, when I, stop, when I, when I pause, I want y'all to say the word. Okay. All right. Let your light so shine before men that they will what? That they will what? See your what? That they will, listen, that they may, watch this, that they may see. I've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now I can see what God is saying. By the Holy Spirit starts to shine and start to give me revelation knowledge. Now I can see what my destiny is. I can see what my purpose is. I can see someone who needs a helping hand. I can see. Clearly now the rain is gone. <laughs> doom, doom. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I couldn't help it. I just had to do that. Doom. But it's going to be a bright, a bright, sunshiny day. See, the thing I love about the Lord, amen, amen. I, thank you for it. I, I, I work on my But I want y'all to see, let your light so shine. And see, that's what I love about God's people, man. It's like, it's like everybody right here, man, you're like a flashlight. Matter of fact, we turn off all the lights right now. Don't turn off the lights. Man, it just be little lights just, just shining. And don't you know that you can see the star, the brightest, when it's dark. Darkness has nothing to do with us shining. Because Saul was trying to kill and stop David, it had nothing to do that he was going to be the next king. It was going to happen. It was God ordained. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Who, who in here had a, you want to raise your hand? Who in here had a divorce? Some, something bad happened to you and, and, and you just get, you just, I don't want to get married. I don't want to look at no woman. I'm no man. I'm done with it. Don't die with that disappointment. Because God has a way of resurrecting some things. Maybe you've started a couple of businesses before and just didn't work. Business plan just didn't work. And you've given up on it. But don't you know, maybe that plan wasn't for that time. Don't die with that plan. And then I want to say this, too, because this is so true. Have you ever heard someone say before, um, when my mother died, 
a part of me went with her. When my dad died, uh, a part of me went with him. When my son or daughter tragically died, a part of me, my grandmother, grandfather, a part of me went with them. That's not the Bible, even though we understand your emotions. What you're supposed to do is honor them by living a greater life. You hear what I'm saying? Now, it's, it's, you know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes on. We understand that. But honor them by living a life that shines, a life that is the salt of the earth, a life that will lead a legacy, will leave a legacy behind you. I must live and declare the works of the Lord. When a part of you die, I mean, when a part of you die with someone, you're not able to be your God best. But God's best is saying, listen, God said, I know how to take death and bring life. I am the resurrection and the life. I want to share with you that I had to make a decision a long time ago. And actually, even though I wasn't a Christian, this scripture, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord, became a reality in my life. At age three days old, I was in a hospital bed. No father, no mother. My mother, I was born in a very rural area, Halifax, Virginia. My mother became sick while I was in her stomach and rushed her to the hospital to save both of us. She went to a coma and three days later she died. They C-sectioned me out and I made it. She didn't. Father never showed up. So here it is. It's Baby boy, three days old, dealing already with adversity. Coming out fighting. And now here it is at three days old in a hospital bed. Nobody claims him. So when my mother's sisters and brothers came from North at the time, they were living in New Jersey and Connecticut. Um, the oldest decided to raise me. And I want you to understand, she was 42 years old, single. She was my Aunt Mabel. She became my mother. And I like to say it like this, and this is what I want y'all to understand, that when God has a plan for your life, and like David was able to say, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord, because God had a plan for his life. When I told you that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ, it's because God has a plan for your life. <clears throat> when, the, when I told you that he's the author and finisher of your faith, it's because God has a plan for your life. When I told you that, for we know that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, that means God has a plan for your life. When Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life 
and that you may have it more abundantly is because God has a plan for your life. When the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? It's because God has a plan for your life. The Bible is very clear when it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's because God has a plan for your life. Proverbs says like this. Proverbs 3, 5 says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your path. Why? Because God has a plan for your life. And that no weapon formed against it, against you, it will prosper. It's because God has a plan for your life. He had a plan for Joshua right after Moses left. He said, Joshua, here's what you need to do. Joshua 1.8. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. And you observe to do all that's written in it. For then you will prosper and have good success. Why? Because God had a plan for his life. And you'll, you'll find out that God is always encouraging us and giving us encouraging words so we can make it. God has a plan for your life. He has something great for you. And so here it was. God took me out of my biological mother's womb and placed me in the arms of my Aunt Mabel. And she became my mother. And God knew what he was doing because this woman loved God. And going to church wasn't an option. It was, one, it was the 11th commandment in my household. <laughs> Thou shall go to White Rock Baptist Church on Sunday. And afterwards, eat some fried chicken and some collard greens and macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord loves fellowship now. We got to break bread sometime. We can't fast 40 days and 40 nights all, all the time, right? I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. And so my aunt raised me, did a wonderful job. She had a sixth grade education, but she knew this word. She was educated in this Bible. Amen. And that's the reason why I stand before you here today. She was educated in this with a sixth grade education. And so as I struggled academically because I wasn't going to school, God had to work some things out in my life. And one of the things that I want to share with you, and many of you probably are aware of the book of Esther. The book of Esther is the only book in the Bible where you won't see the name God. God is not mentioned in the book of Esther. The book, but the theme of the book of Esther is God's providential care. And God's providential care is simply God orchestrating events in our lives that brings him glory. And in God's providential care, he's able to take 
a woman that lives in New Jersey, 42 years old, single, and now make her the mother of a three-day-old child. I know there's somebody in your life. I know there's someone that came on the scene. It's God's providential care. He's working in your life. You saying, man, God ain't doing nothing much with me. Yes, he is. He's doing a lot with you. See, let me tell you one of the things. Is a lot of times we are looking for the burning bush like Moses saw. And if we don't see, a, um, which is called a theophany, when God manifests himself in something, through something, if we don't see a burning bush, you know, it's like, oh, man, God ain't doing what he used to do. But see, the question is simply this. Moses was up on that mountain for a long time, 40 days. Who is to say that the bush wasn't burning when he went up there on day one? I mean, I'm saying, who is to say? But it wasn't yet revealed to him or his eyes wasn't open yet. The time wasn't right. God is a God of timing. So the time has to be right. And so I want to encourage you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. But God is working out his providential care in your life. What is providential care? It's God orchestrating events that he may receive the glory. So right now, he may have somebody, I don't know, somewhere in St. Louis, Missouri. That's your answer to prayer. And he or she is coming here, and that person now going to be the boss, and all of a sudden that person will give you a promotion. Bam, it happens like that. That's what God can do. But what we have to do, we got to stay on course. And our confession should be, I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. I'm going to not, I'm not giving up. I don't care what it looked like. It don't matter. So let me move on. By the time I'm in 11th grade, my aunt, she was, um, she was, um, she was, she was obese. She was, she was really a large lady. She had a stroke. She died. So basically the situation was this. I was a junior in high school, struggling academically. Uh, I was, I grew up in Linden, New Jersey. Um, if anybody know where Linden, New Jersey is, right near Newark and Elizabeth, North Jersey. Uh, grew up in, you know, as they would say, the hood. Grew up getting a yellow check once a month. Somebody know what that is. Amen. But here's the beautiful part about it all, man. My aunt, which is my mom, who raised me, man, she had this so much before me that I didn't walk around saying I was poor. Because for some reason, even though I wasn't even living the life, I knew that God would take care of us. You know, sometimes you need to have childlike faith and believe that God's going to take care of you regardless. God's going to, God got my back. God is up to something good. Regardless of what's going on, I know that God is going to orchestrate this thing. And so here it was. I was a junior in high school. No father, no mother. Aunt who now raised me, she's gone. And here it is, I'm getting put out of our apartment. $177 check will come once a month. That was my social security check. $177. But somewhere on the inside, even though I didn't know the scripture, but I know it now, I shall not die, but live. I could have said, oh man, she's gone. A part of me went with her. Well, emotionally, yes, but I'm making a decision. 
Well, my mother died when I was three days old. I could have said, well, a part of me go. But yes, emotionally, maybe that's the case. But I'm making a decision. I'm going to live. I want to make something of myself. And so I want to encourage somebody. Learn how to take your pain and turn it into purpose. Don't allow your pain to cause you to go into deep depression and disappointment and miss God's destiny for your life. Amen. Don't let it happen because he has something special for you. Matter of fact, that's what we're going to say. Everybody going to say it because I'm the coach, okay? Everybody going to say it. Say, I believe. Matter of fact, I know that God has something special for me. I receive it. I believe it. I know it. And I'm going to show it. Amen. Praise God. Let's give God some praise. I, I want to clap this a little bit. I want to, I want to get excited this a little bit. So here it is. I'm a junior in high school. I now transfer to a school called Oak Hill Academy. I take a placement test and find out that I had a fourth grade reading level. They was going to send me back home. And Mr. and Mrs. Eisner the president of the school, I'll never forget it. And I'm sharing with you this because it's very important for us to understand about racial reconciliation. You know, I, you know they were Caucasians, older, but they saw this little black boy. And they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Now, I want, I want you to stay there for just a moment. They saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Now, you got to get a picture. We're talking about 1979. You're talking about an inner city kid with gold chains, crooked hats on the side, and I'm coming down there with my boom box feeling good about myself. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying? You know, I'm, I'm a basketball player. I got my little swag. You know, I'm walking. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all might think my leg hurt, but it's a pimp. That's all it is. It's a pimp. It's a pimp. My leg ain't hurting. <laughs> it ain't hurting. And here it is, I come down there, and Mr. and Mrs. Eisner, after I take the placement test, they sit me down, they say, you have a fourth grade read level, you know, you tested well, scored well in your other, in some other areas, but one of the things we really believe has happened to you, we saw where you missed 61 days of school last year, I mean, I, I just wasn't going to school, I mean, and 50, and so we believe that you can do it, we believe that you can do it, we're going to give you an opportunity he said, because we, well, we got to send you home. And i never forget this. i never forget this. And these are my words. i never forget this. He looked at me, and I looked back at, at them, and I said, I said, I have nowhere to go. I said, I don't, I don't have anywhere to go. I have nowhere to go. No home. I stay with friends. I have nowhere to go. And Mr. and Mrs. Eisner gave me an opportunity. And see, I want you to understand this. And even as Pastor Melina shares with you on a, on a weekly basis, see, sometimes when you don't believe in yourself, you need for somebody to believe in you. And then the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You need to hear it over and over again until it sinks down the inside of you that their belief in you kicks in. And then you all of a sudden believe what they believe in you. You believe, all of a sudden you start seeing what they see in you. 
He's been saying that, man, man, you can do it. It's great to send you. You can do that. You can do, and okay, okay, okay. But the more you hear it, you get to a place where eventually it happens. And Mr. and Mrs. Eisner, and they said, Cal, we believe you can do it. And that was one of the first times, nothing against my, my aunt who raised me, because by her having a sixth grade education, she just thought I was doing the best I can. So if I bring home F's, you know, she didn't know. You know, you know her, her, her ceiling was low in that area. But Mr. and Mrs. Eisner had master degrees and they understood and they said, no, you can do it. We believe you have the aptitude to do it. Yes, sir. And as a result, the main thing, the goal for me was to pass my SATs. And the rest is history. Passed my SATs, uh, visit, um, was recruited by top schools in the nation, Purdue, Maryland, Minnesota, Wake Forest, some other school decided to go to Virginia Commonwealth University. And so I'm going to fast forward. Virginia Commonwealth University, 1981. I was there from 1981 to 1985. But in 1984, here's what happened to me. I was in Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. Isn't God so good? Birmingham, Alabama, man. Got this city boy down there in the mammals. And there it was that night in the Hyatt Hotel. Someone shared with me earlier, that I asked him about how to get saved and don't have time to really go into it in detail, uh, but they said, go to Romans 10.9. And so how many, how many familiar with the Gideon's army, the Bible, Gideon's Bible that you have? You know, now they got, you know, you know, you know uh, the Mormon got in, in, the, um, in the Marriott, y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, in the Marriott, in the Marriott, you know, they have, you know, because they're Mormons. So every Marriott has the Book of Mormons. I don't know if y'all knew that. No. Yep. Yeah, if you just go in the, um, that side drawer, open it up, Book of Mormons. Mm-hmm. The Gideon army, they, they, their mission was to put a Bible in every hotel. Amen. So here it was. I find this Bible and I go to Romans 10.9. And in Romans 10.9, that night, January 1984, that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God is raised from the dead, I shall be saved. Romans 10.13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that night, that night, that night, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because God was working things out in my life with providential care. He was orchestrating. He was putting and sending people in my life. And when it seemed like I hit a dead end, God put Mr. and Mrs. Eisner there. When it seemed like I hit another dead end somewhere else, God put a coach there. When it seemed like one time I got in trouble for stealing, doing something real stupid, God gave me real favor at the, at the store. And the guy told me, he said, I was, I was a, this is crazy. I was an all, I'm, I'm an all-American basketball player. This, let me see, was that the year? No, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody knew me. It was just dumb. Oh, gosh. Anyway. And the officer said, why are you doing this? So the officer cussed me out and said, I'm not reporting it. Don't ever do it again. And the last time I stole. 
Amen? Amen. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I mean, it would have been horrible. So with all that, God was orchestrating all this. But guess what? The same way he was orchestrating things in my life, he's doing the same thing for you. Because the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. And that's why we talk about world changes, because I believe what pastor's vision is, is that even though we are sitting in these seats, our desire and goal is not to be what we call pew Christians. You know, pew Christians. You know what pew Christians are? The P is for powerless. The E is for evil. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But no, every person, God has something for you. Amen. He has an assignment for you, man. You don't have to be in lights, but it's an assignment just like he had for David back there, tending the sheep. And so now I'm saved. I get saved and I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I don't know really what this thing is about, but then I start hearing the word. And I start growing in the word. And here it was in 1985. Here it is, draft day. I'm excited about the things of God. I'm excited now about Jesus. Um, uh, my, my roommate, Rolando Lamb, he got saved after I got saved. Start telling people about Jesus. I didn't have any tack either, by the way. So you just got to forgive me. You know how sometimes you have a lot of zeal and no wisdom. And you run more people away than and win them. That, that was me for a moment. I was like, yo, man, you need Jesus, man. Come here, man. Look, right here, man, you're going to go to hell. You know, that's how I was, that's what I said. You know, but at least I had some excitement. <laughs> but as, as time went on, I matured. You know what I mean? I matured. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and, but I was so excited about the things of God, and I ended up getting drafted by the Chicago Bulls. I signed a three-year deal with the Chicago Bulls, um, 1985. Wow. Michael Jordan was already on the team. I met Mike a while back. And so, I mean, all these people, and um, it, just, it was just awesome. It just seemed, it was, it was a dream come true. However, after I signed the deal and I went to a rookie camp, God was really pulling on my heart. And there was a group called Campus Crusade for Christ, Athletes in Action. And I end up signing with Athletes in Action, even though I still have my contract with Chicago Bulls. And, base, and this is the funny part. My lawyer, my attorney named Norman Blass, he's Jewish. So when I told him I got saved and then told him I wasn't going to the NBA, that brother threw all the Old Testament at me. No, no. Hanawana and the No, no, no. But he didn't understand. He was like, you know, he was a typical New York uh, Jewish guy accent. Calvin, why are you doing this? It's not necessary. Ah, uh, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you can do. You can go on missionaries next year. You don't need to do that right now. Make the money right now, Calvin. Oh, Lord. But anyway, it, it, and I, I went through so much, and um, it wasn't easy when I made that decision. It wasn't easy at all. But the reason why I made the decision, I know somebody want to know why you made the decision. <laughs> uh, and I do want to say this. Just because you're a Christian, that doesn't mean that you can't be a professional athlete. But my conviction at the time was I wasn't spiritually ready for the social life, 
See, because I, you know, I, I kind of skipped a lot of stuff because, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, and I mean, I was that typical inner city kid. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, mom was a big drug dealer, and I was hanging around those type of people, and, you know, I did some stuff. You know, I'm not glorifying the drugs and all that, but I was doing some things, so I just came out of all of that. And I needed some discipleship. And I didn't want to be a Christian who say I'm a Christian, but didn't bear any fruit. So I made a decision. And I was ridiculed. I was talked about stupid everything. But the Bible tells me what profits a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. And so I thank God for his word. I thank God for his comforting words. And so I um, made that decision. And to this day, at age 52, people still asking me, Calvin, so why did you not? <laughs> still asking me. But you know what's so beautiful about that? It gives me an opportunity to talk about Jesus. I mean, think about it, I'm 52 years old. I mean, I was, I was at Starbucks like about a week, two weeks ago. Some guy like 60 years old, he was over there getting some coffee. He said, oh, you're Calvin Duncan? I said, yeah. He said, if he said, you, yeah. Boy, nice to meet you, man. I followed your career. Okay, good, good, good. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. What's your name? Leroy. My name is Calvin. Nice to meet you, Leroy. So and so. Hey, let me ask you a question, John. <laughs> Why didn't you go to the NBA? So it gives me an opportunity to share Jesus. Isn't that something? God is orchestrating all those things out for his glory. Amen. But let me tell you this right now. Um, I'm going to look to close because I know you guys um, normally finish around this time, and I don't want to uh, go on and on. Uh, but, but I do want to thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, because there's so much else that happened during that time, you know, but I do want to to encourage um, everybody here tonight. I really do with all my heart, mind, and soul. And um, the reason why God put that on my heart about David, that I shall not die, you know, but live and declare the works of the Lord, that God has something for you. God is not finished with you yet, you know. He's placed gifts and talents on the inside of you. In the same way in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when the Bible says, and God took the dust of the earth. And that's another thing because it's like out of all the things God could have made us out of. You know what I mean? I mean, come on, God, make us out of like, like the tree way up there so it make me feel like, you know, I was in high places. But you mean to tell me the Bible says God took the dust of the earth and formed man and breathed into his through his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living being, a living soul. I am living in victory every day. And everything that God placed on the inside of man, the original Adam, he had all the potential in the world to do whatever he needed to do. And we understand about the fall. But then there came another birth. To be born again. To be born again. Man must be born again. And so when we receive, when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we were born again. 
and now those same abilities, those same talents, that breath of life is on the inside of us. And God is just saying, now I just want you to be a vessel. I want you to be a vessel of honor. I want to use you for my glory. And man, don't you think of yourself as, man, I can't do it. Well, you know what? When you keep saying you can't do it, God said, you know what? That's a good resume for me to use you. But once I start using you, then you better walk. You better get out of can't-itis and get into I can do all things through Christ Amen. who strengthens me. Because sometimes Christians have too much of can't-itis. Get out of it. Let that go. And so, you know what? I don't want, ever want to take it for granted. But one of the things I want to say about the house is continue to make a contribution to the house. Support in your prayers, your treasures, and your talents. Your time, talents, and treasures. Your time, your talent, and your treasures. Man, God has given you time. That's one thing that none of us could work for, could pay for. And remember, time is neutral. It's neither positive or negative. It's how you use it. Your time here at this house is valuable. Use it for the glory of God. Your talents, come on, man. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away about the media already, man. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I could, I mean, I don't know. I come out, I don't know. They come in all types of scriptures, man. Look at that right there. They got me up there like, like I'm um, Joel Osteen or something. <laughs> How y'all doing? Do y'all believe it today? So y'all believe it, praise the Lord. We're going to have a good, I just got Victoria, my wine. Where's Victoria? Where are you, Victoria? Anyway. But I mean, they, they make me feel like that. But your talents, yes. Your talents, yes. Matthew chapter 25, chapter 14, I mean, chapter 25, verse 14, talks about the talents. The three who had five. Two and one talent. And we know there was one that dug theirs in a hole. Don't be that person. But be the one who utilizes the talents that God has given you. So you can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more responsibilities. That is what it's all about. Your talents. You have talents. Bring it to the house for the glory of God. World changes. We reach more people when we utilize our talents. Is that all right? I raise my voice a little bit. That's, my co that's the coach in me. See? <laughs> and our treasures, man. You know, we, 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 we always want to be a blessing to the house. We always recognize that what God has given us, he's given us, and that is all because of what he did through us and the abilities given us the opportunity, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says, and he's given us the power, the ability to obtain wealth and to establish his covenant here on the earth. And so we thank you for your treasures, that you're always supporting the ministry. That way we can take this to higher heights. So I thank you for being a blessing to the house. I thank you for being a blessing to Pastor and Yvette and the family, thank you for making their job 
Like, I want to come to church because I want to encourage people. You know what I mean? I mean, excited to see you. And you're excited to see them. That is a beautiful thing. And I thank you for that. So I don't want to take it for granted. It might be somebody here today that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask for every head bow, every eye closed. Let's just pray in the name of the Lord. Every head bow, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity. Lord, today we say we shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Lord, we know you have great things for us. You have mighty things for us. You have wonderful things for us, Lord. I thank you, God, that you've allowed me to share a word to encourage your people today. I thank you, Lord God, that they recognize that they've been called out of darkness into your marvelous light, and they are a special people, and that they are a chosen generation. I thank you, Lord God, that they are the light of the world. I thank you, Lord God, that they are the salt of the earth. I thank you, Lord God, that they recognize that you have placed something on the inside of them that they need to give to somebody else. That's your love. That's your word. That's your ability. Lord, today I pray that we are an extension of you. Lord God, tonight if there's someone who is dealing with strongholds in their life, Lord God, let them know that you have mercy for them. Let them know, Lord God, that you have deliverance for them. Let them know that the blood of Jesus will forgive them and make them whole. Remind them, God, that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Remind them, Lord, that today could be another day for them, a a new beginning, a new beginning. Let them know, Father, that they are valuable to this house. Let them know, God, that they are your vessels and they'll be vessels of honor. Catherine Coleman said this. She said, God is not looking for golden vessels and God is not looking for silver vessels. But God is looking for yielded vessels. Tonight, will you yield to God? There's some things that you know that you need to yield and give up and let go and let God. And so while you are in your secret place, allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to your hearts, I'm going to be quiet for a moment and let him speak to you and let him show you areas and things and Remember, the Holy Spirit hasn't come to hurt your feelings. The Holy Spirit is to correct you so you can get it right. And in the midst of correction, if your feelings is hurt, he has healing for you. So you're okay. So right now, just for a moment, allow the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that I need to yield? What talents Have I been holding back that I need to allow to come forth in the house? What treasures that I've been holding back because 
I have not been trusting in God in all areas of my life. And the Spirit of God touch you for just a moment.